Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. The following was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked with payments as a service provider, Volante Technologies, to produce a two-part series on banks transforming their payments to the cloud and the road to streamlining the customer journey. Volante helps banks around the world rise to the challenge of digital transformation. Through simplifying payment systems and processes, they help banks modernize their customer experience. And what sets Volante apart is its technology architecture. It was built from the ground up for the cloud. I'm John Farrell. I'm the Senior Vice President of Product and Engineering with Volante Technologies. We're a next-generation payments platform provider. Uh, We specialize in delivering payments as a service to mostly banks. And it's it's all based on a next-generation technology. What makes Volante next generation is the agility and breadth of its technology that makes it possible for banks to move faster towards digital transformation. I've got an interesting career arc with Volante specifically in that I've been a customer twice. Um, once of quite a while ago where I just OEM'd a small piece of their software into uh, what was a legacy platform at the time. And then the second time I was a full-blown customer of the, of the whole payments platform uh, at my previous employer. So I've got, uh, you know, I, I, I joined the company knowing they were onto something or we were onto something now, I guess I should say. And what makes it next generation is we don't really have the baggage of a legacy company. And in payments, that kind of matters because you're, you really think about a lot of the providers out there, they've got a long history in the market, which means they have a ton of install base and you can't make major changes to that install base without them saying, well, if I've got to do that much work, I might as well look in the marketplace. Uh, And that's kind of where we stand out. We are not that incremental jump. We are that giant leap when it comes to, uh, the technology we're leveraging, the architecture we're leveraging, and the way we uh, we allow our customers con- to consume our product. We deliver both um, as a payments as a service solution, and we deliver you know traditional uh, in-house deliveries for some of our clients all around the world. According to a recent SMB satisfaction survey, small and medium-sized businesses and corporations feel underserved and underappreciated by financial services. Is it happening because the services of traditional FIs are not meeting their needs or because their needs are changing? I think it's happening for a couple of reasons. Uh, the banks have been slow to change. Um, and that, there's nothing new there, right? Anybody who's been in this space for a long time knows the status quo typically wins out. Um, but I think the more important thing is they've seen what's possible. Uh, there's so many non-bank options out there, especially in the payment space, that small, medium, and large businesses are taken advantage of. Uh, that effectively shows you know, the typical customer what's actually possible. And what's happening is they're contrasting that with their, uh, with their current banking partner. And that's, that's becoming an issue for the banks because they're, they're losing some of that fee revenue, some of that transaction revenue. I always say the the, the good old fashioned banking has made a comeback since 2007, you know, where uh, low value, but low risk, but lots of transactions, each one of those transactions 
adds up over time uh, without necessarily putting any risk on your balance sheet. So it's 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 an interesting space to be in right now. You know, we talk to a lot of our customers and there's a few of them, some pretty big banks from a global perspective that that are realizing this and, and trying to jump ahead of this curve or, or at least trying to catch up. Uh, and, and that's good to see right now. And I think once once these guys shows, show what can happen, what you'll see is a, a large group of fast followers saying, okay, possible, we need to jump on this bandwagon. While a few big banks are leading the way, the majority are following behind. But banks are motivated by two things, core banking software and their payments platform. The tentacles of each one of those and how they, how they work within a banking ecosystem are really difficult to unwind. Um, and they're difficult to unwind for lots of reasons. Uh, sometimes it's legacy technology and the guys who know how to actually support it, aren't around, and it's more of a care and feeding process. You have banks that have grown up through acquisitions where that whole kind of system top- topology gets a little, a little, or in some cases, a lot confusing. Um, and it's costly and it's risky. And you've got to be the executive that's willing to sign on the bottom line to do a deal like that, to, do, to, to jump into that kind of an effort. And uh, we're seeing some of them that realize they can't wait any longer, but it is no small undertaking. Deciding to undertake a renovation to the foundations upon which the entire institution rests is a huge leap. And it's the bold ones who are able to make that leap. They see an opportunity to significantly increase uh, the wallet share with the customers they have. They see the valuations of these kind of third parties that have jumped into this space over the time and realize that that valuation could easily be on our balance sheet. You know, I've never done the math, but I've often, you know, kind of used the statement that there's, you know, easily a half a trillion in value created globally uh, offering products that banks should have offered easily. Um, And it's probably a lot more than that. So if you think of it in those terms, you know, you can't stand on the sidelines and watch that happen forever because that's that's not, you know, that's going to be a net negative for your business. Half a trillion dollars in market value for outside the bank financial products is an understatement. That number is the market value of Square and PayPal alone. And that's a loss for traditional FIs, huge enough to justify the risk of steering the wheel in a new direction. You know, 15, 18 years ago when I got into this, it was it was a kind of a rip and replace strategy, um, which in, in many cases, you might have had a 50, if you're doing well, 60, 70% uh, success rate. Um, but I do think there's better ways to do it. I think you see some banks standing up these, some large banks kind of standing up these digital only banks, which give them an opportunity to get comfortable with the technology to move their customers over in a very controlled way uh, to introduce it to new customers. So I think that's one approach uh, is kind of put it on the sideline. Another approach is to look at it from a customer segment per- perspective and move it that way. If you said, I want to move all my ACH all at once, as a for instance, uh, that cuts across every customer segment a client has. And, you know, if the customer is big enough, there might be half a dozen custom products free per customer. Uh, you know, and that, that sounds, like, sounds like a lot. But if you, you know, if you look at these relationships over 20, 25, 30 years, not surprising to see those kinds of things in the payments landscape of a big bank. To successfully adapt to the modern era, all banks will eventually have to go digital. But are they truly becoming all-around digital? Or are they merely launching a few loosely packaged digital products? 
from a retail perspective, you know, I'm about 80% of the customer base, you know, is 80% of the customer base is 99% digital when it comes to dealing with their bank. And therefore you have the platform to do that. But if, you know, if, if, if you're only offering the products that you were offering walking into the branch, are you really pulling back that market share or are you just getting digital, right? You know, are you offering those, those services that, as, as we talked about earlier, some of those third parties have uh, come in and taken advantage of to great success. Can I send a cross-border payment uh, from, my, from my mobile phone if I'm a Chase customer? And those are the things you have to look at is not just am I digital, but do I offer the whole scope and breadth of uh, products in, you know, in that digital footprint? Prior to a desire to push boundaries for the sake of evolution, there is mandated modernization. From new global ISO messaging standards to the real-time payment rails the Fed is ushering in. So that's kind of table stakes innovation. You have to be able to support those or your, or your customers will notice. Um, I think the other piece of it is, you know, again, looking at that legacy landscape you have. And, and as I said earlier, is what is the least risk most impactful way i can start to peel the onion on it start to start to really create a much more agile technology uh platform that i can build on and you know that's one of the things we do really well we bring in these payments capabilities but we also bring in this platform that you can build off of uh and that gives that gives clients a lot of flexibility when it comes to not only that initial deployment, but it gives them that flexibility of saying, all right, what do we do next? What can we add to this? Um, and that, that's been exciting for us. Our latest product's a couple of years old, and uh, we're already talking to clients about what's next. And that's really interesting. Kind of tells us we kind of pointed it in the right direction. We look at our product in a couple of different things, right? There's that technology platform that's cloud-native, microservice-based, you know, you can, it ticks all the boxes for today's. It can be deployed as a payments as a service solution. It can be deployed in-house, uh, again, leveraging all those technology components. On the payments functionality side, that's where we deploy a microservices architecture, which really mm-hmm. gives you flexibility to bundle those into business functions. Uh, and we have a lot of clients that that's one of the major drivers is to be able to easily bundle certain kind of features and functions uh, together so that you can, you know, that you can quickly and agilely either create a product, modify a product, and, and do it at a fairly granular level. For banks steering the wheel in the direction of digital transformation, the decision is between build, buy, or collaborate. And collaboration can happen in different ways, from a partnership to an acquisition. I always find it interesting in the U.S., you know, compared to Europe, that the the private market figures out a way to make something work before it's mandated by the uh, by the uh, regulator. Whereas in Europe, it's kind of the opposite. Um, but Zelle is a really good example there, right? That's effectively a consortium of banks uh, all deciding that hey, we want to offer a better product to our customers. We want interoperability between each one of the entities, each one of the participating banks, and we want to we want to make it kind of a white label thing that any fintech or any bank can leverage to move money uh, domestically. So that's a real good example of where it's worked. While an acquisition can begin as a collaboration, sometimes innovation can get drowned out by the rigid compliance needs of traditional FIs. Farrell believes some of the acquisitions we've seen recently point to a bigger trend. We're starting to, you know, we're seeing the MasterCards and the Visas 
buying up fintechs on a fairly regular basis. Um, but, you know, you, you have to let those companies keep continue to do what got them there, right? Uh, taking them into a traditional rigid kind of structure of, a, of an IT department within a bank, the only thing that's going to happen there is you're going to slow it down. You're absolutely going to slow it down. No, I reckon we all recognize there's different, you know, the, the compliance is, is a massive component of that. Integrating that in, into the bank's compliance kit is probably the most important thing you've got to do at the beginning of one of those acquisitions. But once you get that done, it's really let them continue to focus on the innovation that got them, uh, that got them so attractive that the bank decided to buy them. Banks are making moves to replatform their payment systems. But no one is really asking, are their business customers also ready to implement real-time payments? The interesting thing about, again, customers today and when I first got in this business, they've been consuming cloud-based, kind of call it ERP, accounting, you know, any, you know, general ledger, any kind of system like that. They've been consuming those for a very long time now. Um, and that gives banks and, and, and frankly, uh, folks like us here at Volante a real opportunity because you've got these, you've got these points where your customers have consolidated onto these different platforms. If you really want to give your customer a great experience, fully, fully leveraging the features of that platform are, are a big deal. And you do it once and it, uh, it can benefit, you know, depending on the size of the bank, hundreds or thousands of customers. Uh, and that's a really good way to look at it is find these kind of points of concentration where your customers are and kind of build build your product around those. Make it so it's easy to make payroll. Make it so it's easy to move money around from those tools. Um, you know, I frankly, it's one of the things we do. We look for we look for these consolidation points uh, and work to build pre-built integration so that if we get a client, if we get a bank that wants their customers that are on Sage, uh, for instance, or or you know, or or Oracle or SAP or any of these providers that are uh, pushing these cloud-based platforms, it's in our best interest to at least know how they work and at best to have them pre-integrated into our system. For banks to get connected to the RTP networks and bring value-added services to their customers in 2021, it's going to take some work. The large players will have a team on it. They'll build it out. Uh, it'll it'll look very different from their ACH or their RTGS, but they'll build it out. They'll either partner with somebody like us, potentially one of our competitors, or they'll build it. But then you have the six or eight thousand, ten thousand other small banks out there that can really look at it in a couple different ways. <clears throat> they can depend on their their current service provider to offer something that at least ticks the box. They can look at somebody like us and say, okay, these guys have it. It's on the cloud. Got to just integrate it to it. It's got all the features and functions I need. Uh, and I don't have to do a massive IT project. I don't have to do any massive open heart surgery. That'll probably be the, you know, the two broad buckets of how it, or potentially three, I guess. Build it yourself, partner with uh, your service provider, partner with somebody like us. We're on a timeline of only about 14 months out to roll out of RTP. But is the industry prepared Again, I think it'll be the whole broad spectrum. You know, the big banks have been doing RTP all around the world for a long time, so they'll they'll have a really good idea how to make it work. Um, I think some of the you know super regionals might even be in that same position. I think some of the regional banks are going to have to do some serious work to make it happen. And as I said earlier, I think the smaller banks have a couple of choices. They'll 
either let their current service provider do it or they'll come to somebody that's offering a pass solution like us. Uh, so it's, I think I think there there'll be a full gamut of different uh, different reactions to it. What'll be interesting is see is to see how they productize it and how they market it, how how they create a value add for both the retail and their corporate customers. By that point, though, RTP will be standard as the U.S. gears up for an industry wide change with big implications. At the end of the day, yeah, it is table stakes, but it's table stakes for something that really hasn't existed. Um, at that at that scale in the U.S., obviously, you know the clearinghouse has their offering, uh, which has a fairly good participation. We were one of the first ones to get involved with that, but um, the U.S. kind of figures it out in different ways than Europe does. Um, and I think there's you know there's a, either a bunch of banks, you know, and a bunch of fintechs, kind of uh, already already putting together product offerings that are going to take advantage of that that they're going to bring to the U.S. market. Um, guarantee that that's happening. We can't talk about the payment landscape without talking about the mainstreaming of crypto. Will central banks' digital currencies participate in the existing payments landscape, or do they pose a threat to it? I think it's the evolution, right? I think it's it's where we've kind of been pointing at for quite some time, and it makes a lot of sense, um, you know, to facilitate the transactions, to get more transparency in these transactions. Um, I think it makes an awful lot of sense. And you're still, yeah, again, you're still talking about, you know, about a, a currency backed by a central bank. So it's it's really a form factor at that point. How the, how the banks want to want to leverage it or integrate it into their product offering, really, we have, we, you know, that's up to them. There's a lot of them doing it right now. But from from a technology provider's perspective, we kind of look at the you know the the various cryptocurrencies as just another currency. Uh, we can integrate, we can, you know, create that transparency. We can, um, you know, we're, again, not shying away from them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the demand looks like over time. But the the uh, central bank digital currencies, for sure, I think are a great idea. And I think, I, I, I think it's just a normal evolution. And this is an example of what makes Volante stand out. Its architecture is broad enough to capture new and evolving workflows, as is. That's right. I mean, every one of them has slightly different workflows. Um, of course, you know, you've, you've got to do the validation across the blockchain and whatnot, but it, all it is is another workflow for us. It's another process flow that we that we would then manage end to end. We're really fortunate given the architecture we develop is we have that flexibility kind of built in um, and we're actually getting, you know, we're even doing more with it now than we ever have. Uh, but it really gives you that flexibility to, to, look at your current system and, and say, all right, we can do that. We don't have to buy something else. We don't have to build something else. But the expansive and flexible architecture is not enough. It is equally important to keep making sure that architecture is stable, safe, and accessible. We're deploying our solution north of 50%, approaching 60% um, as, a, as a service, right? Payments as a service solution. So one of the things we're working around the clock on practically is looking at resiliency, looking at recovery, uh, looking at throughput security, and basically putting those things uh, as kind of our number one priority day in and day out. How do we make this not only completely bulletproof? How do we have the best performance? How do we, how do we have the lowest, the lowest costs for that performance? 
How do we have the quickest uh, recovery? How do we have the best resiliency? And so we spend an awful lot of time on that, uh, making sure that our system, uh, again, is fit for, fit for purpose today and well into the future. The surprising thing there, um, not, not surprising that our system can do it, but surprising from a demand perspective is the number of what we would consider tier one banks that are taking this solution from us. Uh, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, would I see, you know, is, is payments ready for the cloud? I would have said, yeah, it depends on the bank, but yeah. But I wouldn't have said I would expect to see tier one players doing it. And that's what we're seeing now. So that focus that we have is well-placed, given that the size of the banks that are starting to take advantage of it. Uh, and, and yeah, that's been, a, that, that's been an eye-opener for me. I think in some ways, in some ways, the pandemic has kind of opened people's eyes up a little bit. I think the C-suite in banks probably didn't have the full picture of how much they were already dependent on cloud until everybody went home and all of a sudden everything still worked. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think they had that full, you know, that full picture. Uh, but I do think, you know, and I do think because of that, any views on cloud have probably fast forward at least five or 10 years in the last 18 months. Uh, and I think that's probably explains a little bit or at least one of the factors in why we're seeing such an uptick in uh, in our payments as a, as a service solution. The adoption of cloud also accelerated partnerships between service providers and tier one banks. Seeing those partnerships fosters trust in the industry and helps other tier one banks make the move towards collaboration as well. A hundred percent. They still vet you, but you know, through repetition, the vetting becomes e easier for us too. Anytime you can help validate somebody's decision-making process in anything, um, it helps it help smooth the process over. As you can imagine, the vetting when it comes to an as-a-service solution is an order of magnitude kind of more detailed than as a, I'm selling you a piece of software that you're going to deploy in your data centers. After succeeding through the vetting process, it is up to service providers like Volante to shepherd their customers through strategizing the roadmap needed into the future. You know, security, resiliency, recovery, throughput. Right? That, that, that's table stakes, and it's any piece of functionality you need, if, we, if you're comfortable with those table stakes, if we, if we have it, great. If we don't have it, we've got the flexibility in the architecture to add it very quickly. Um, and that's kind of, that's where I think we're, we're, we're having success in the, uh, in the industry right now is the, those table stakes are strong. They're next generation. They're, they're what the, you know, the CTOs and CIOs are looking for. And our feature set is broad and, you know, fully featured, but you could always add more, right? That's just the reality of any software product. You're never finished. Um, but having that flexibility built into the architecture really helps us quite a bit in that respect. One of the interesting things people don't know, uh, we, we tell them if they ask, but one of the interesting things about our whole company is it started uh, with a tool called Designer, which was really a financial messaging kind of mapping slash orchestration tool. Uh, and that, that tool became the basis for everything we do in all our other products. So our whole development kit is based on this specialized financial messaging uh, tool called Volante Designer. 
and we use it across the whole organization. Our clients also use it. And it's, it's really helped a lot in, uh, in, in creating velocity when it comes to adding new, either new payment types or new features and functions on, in the product. Modernization is motivated by the catalysts in the industry that set new precedents and dictate trends. Now more than ever, it's happening quickly. The interesting thing for us as a, as a company is, you know, we, we kind of get a couple of different kinds of customers. We get a customer that's looking to solve a problem, uh, which will typically solve for them. But, uh, you know, often case that problem is 10, 15 or 20 percent kind of their payments landscape. Uh, and, you know, as a, as a technology company, once you solve that one problem, you kind of have an invitation to go in and solve the next one and the next one gets back to how do I modernize? Well, that's an, that's one way to do it. Uh, and I think, I think um, again, those catalysts in the marketplace are really helpful. We've got the ISO uh, standards coming into effect this year. We've got FedNow, as I said, we've got RTP popping up all over the place. We have, uh, you know, as the world's gotten smaller, cross-border payments have become kind of more retail. So we're seeing a lot of demand in kind of high volume, low value, cross-border payments. Uh, people want to offer that, whether it's for small business, medium-sized business, or even the remittance side of the business. So there's there's lots in the in the space right now that makes me excited. I used to, I would have sworn that 10 years ago, we were at, we were at the inflection point where everything was going to start moving fast. And I was off by 10 years. Um, but here we are. We're actually at that point right now in the payment space. And um, as I said, there's, there's groups that are leading it. There's groups that I'm pretty sure will be pretty fast followers. And then the million dollar question is, what, what does the rest of them do? This concludes the first episode in a podcast series we're running with Volante. To access the transcript of this podcast and to hear upcoming episodes in the series, head on over to the Tearsheet website.